Hey, we want to thank you for listening today to a sermon from Edwards Lake Church. And we hope that you recognize the message of God as we open his word together and examine his incredible life-changing teaching. We pray that this message will challenge you, motivate you, or touch you in some way. Let's open the Bible together. We are going to finish up our series that we've been going through for the year on being continually devoted. And then tonight we will be finishing up our series of lessons on the book of Acts right before we jump back into a Bible class on the book of Acts. So that, that should be uh, very difficult for me to figure out how to manage that. So um, thank you for being here today. Uh, it is always a joy to be with you. I tell you, the worship for some reason today has just uh, been heartfelt. And, and it is always heartfelt, I am sure, but for some reason it has just um, hit me in a little bit of a different way today, and uh, I thank you for being my family with which I can do that, and uh, that's always good. It's nice to have visitors with us, the Goolsbees with us. I'm excited that Marshall and Lisa are with us just so we get to see the Goolsbees every, every now and then, so that we like y'all too, um, uh, but excited about that. My family's with me, uh, of course, so uh, very thankful for that. Let's go ahead and jump into our lesson. We've been going through the four different focuses that the early church had over in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, where it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And I would imagine you have that memorized by now, because we have read that almost every other week for an entire year. But I, I think it's an important passage of scripture for us to have in our minds and in our hearts because it allows us to consider whether we are focusing on the things that matter most or whether we have allowed ourselves to get distracted to focus on other things. When the church began in Acts chapter 2, it says by inspiration they had four things they were most concerned with. And so we've spent the year spending a little bit of time with each one of these, and we are finishing up our series particularly on prayer today. And I hope as we've gone through prayer, maybe you've walked away with a little bit of a different perspective on prayer, that it is not about us, but it is about praying about things that are bigger than us. That does not mean it is wrong to pray about personal needs, and it does not mean that it is wrong to to come to God when you do feel a need to come to God about a particular issue. But what we do need to consider is whether we are praying about the bigger things. And I think sometimes we struggle with that. Uh, there's a song that I want to read the words to you that, that's being played all through stores these days. It's one of those Christmas songs, as people call it. Uh, and I want us to sing this this morning in a few moments. But I want you to hear the words of the song. This song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is a little different than a lot of the other Christmas songs that are played that have a religious meaning behind them. Uh, many, like Silent Night and Away in the Manger, those types of songs focus primarily on the story of the birth of Jesus or the the conception of Jesus, that he came, the incarnation, he came down from heaven to earth to dwell among us. And it focuses on the events 
that made that possible. This song, while it mentions that, has a much greater and deeper and longer lasting meaning. Here are the words. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou wisdom from on high, and order all things far and nigh to us the path of knowledge show, and cause us in her way to go. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, desire of nations. Bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. The reason I I love this song is because it speaks from the perspective not of Jesus having come, but Jesus being promised to come. It speaks from the perspective of someone still living before the time of Jesus who is desiring the the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the promised one, the coming of the one named God with us. And so it speaks prophetically from, from the perspective of the author. It speaks prophetically of events that haven't yet come but are going to be amazing and awesome and glorious and revealing events. And then it does the same thing from our perspective today. It kind of has a dual fulfillment. One, from the old covenant perspective who wished and desired for Emmanuel to come and bring the blessings that God had promised would come through the Messiah, that those same promises are still being waited for today, but in a different way. Because while the Messiah was promised as one who would come and bring peace, we are still, even today, after having the sacrifice of Jesus and the great things that came from him coming into earth as a baby and dying on the cross, and resurrecting from the dead, we are still crying out, O come, O come, Emmanuel, bring peace, bring correction, bring your will, bring your kingdom. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that sound familiar? Those are the words that John David read for us already today. The very words that Jesus said we should still be praying. We should still desire for Emmanuel to come and his kingdom be all. That it be all-consuming. That it be what we look forward to. 
And that is the pattern you see as you go through the Gospels even. I I just want to look at a few verses with you this morning. But Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, before the Sermon on the Mount begins, it gives sort of an overview statement about the ministry of Jesus. And it says there in verse 23, Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. You look in the Sermon on the Mount itself, and there's quite a few references to this idea of the kingdom. Uh, Over in chapter 5, starting in verse 19, it talked about whoever breaks one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever uh, does and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never get into the kingdom. He goes on to talk about all the different rules that they had misinterpreted and and created rules around and, and, and caused all sorts of false ideas and conclusions to be made. And he corrects the way that they understood those things because these are laws and principles of the kingdom not just of them as a people. And then he teaches them to pray with these words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we've not spent a lot of time in this series on prayer talking about Jesus' model prayer, as ironic as that is. But I want you to think about that statement for just a moment. Your kingdom come, okay, we get that. We get that idea of, you know, maybe from the perspective of Jesus at the time, it's talking about the beginning of the church. But since we, as his disciples, are are given this model for praying, there's a sense in which the kingdom is still to come. It is still to be fully realized, and therefore we should pray for the future kingdom. Listen to that second part. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How disobedient do you think the residents of heaven are? You think there's an issue up there? Now, we know there are some in heaven who have disobeyed, if we're to understand uh, the, the angels not keeping their proper place and being cast out into darkness. And you've got statements like that that are made. But as a whole, we don't picture heaven with the same struggle of disobedience that we picture earth, that we know earth is, do we? I mean, heaven is a place of righteousness and holiness and perfection, and it is where we go and we serve God unhindered. It is a place where there is worship eternally. It is a place that is pictured as paradise. Your will be done on earth the way it's done in heaven. Now, I I don't think that what Jesus is telling us to pray for is that heaven be on earth or, or anything like that. What he's saying is, may we have the same desire of obedience now that we will have when heaven or when the kingdom is fully realized. 
May we truly learn righteousness and holiness now as your people. May we obey you today the way we will obey you then. Isn't that a glorious thing to think about, to pray about? That standard of love for his will? Verse 19 down through verse 21. Don't store it for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store it for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is he teaching here? He's telling us that we should desire goodness and greatness in heaven more than we desire anything here? Should we be focused on what we need now or should we be more focused on what we want to have then? He's telling us focus on heaven. Focus on the benefit that comes from serving God, not from all the things we can have now. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or mammon, some of your versions will say, a false god. You cannot be both focused on life here and now and truly be focused on life then and later. You, you can't. You cannot truly be devoted and desirous of heaven if we are so distracted by what we want now. And which should we really be focusing on? The kingdom. Heaven. Chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. What are we being told here? Quit fretting about now. And start thinking of later. See, I, I find as I go through Scripture and I look at the things that Jesus prayed for and I look at the things that the disciples prayed for and the things that Paul lists in his and his epistles that he was praying for, there is an overwhelming focus in all of those prayers on praying for God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven and praying that God's kingdom come and praying that we be focused on the things of God and the will of God and the mission of God and that we be entirely focused on the things that will come later instead of being focused on the things that we have now. Let me ask you, where do your prayers focus? Because mine tend to focus on now. Mine tend to focus on what, what I want now. Not even oftentimes what I need, but what I want 
Now, that's where my mind and my heart go. Those are the things that I have most concerned myself with over the years. And I'm telling you, what you find in Scripture is if you will focus on the kingdom of God, all of those things, they disappear in your thinking. They become non-issues. They become the things you don't worry about. When you're focused on the kingdom of God, you don't worry about where food's going to come from today. When you're focused on all the things you, you want to have later when you are in heaven, you quit worrying about all the things you don't have now on earth. You find that focusing on the kingdom provides your greatest need. It provides clarity in the way that we think. It allows us to be more focused on the things that matter and the missions that matter and, and the decisions that we need to make. I have a sermon uh, that I, in, on the list of sermons to develop, but I'll give you a little preview of it. It is interesting that when you know the thing you need to focus on, all the other things become easier to make decisions about. Here's what I mean. If I know that I've jumped in my car and I need to get from here to Tampa, Florida, and I need to get there by 6 o'clock tonight, and as I pass an exit, I, I know I'm not going to make it by 6 o'clock tonight. Elijah's over there concerned about me, going, wowzers. I know that's not going to happen. I'm just hypothetical situation here. Okay, so I need to get there by 6 o'clock tonight, and I'm driving south of Atlanta, and, and there's Bucky's there at Warner Robins, and, and I really like Bucky's uh, firecracker crackers, the really hot ones that are just, no, oh, they're so good, and I, I want to stop and get some. But if I stop, and I see how many cars are in that parking lot, and it's going to take me a good 20 minutes to stop. I'm not going to get to Tampa by 6 o'clock tonight. My decision's made for me. You don't stop. When, when, when I know my purpose, when I know my destination, when I know that I need to get there, and I need to get there by a certain time, so many other decisions are made for me. I'm not going to stop by the bookstore, to, I mean, and that's a big temptation for me and my family. Stop by that bookstore and browse for a while. Not if i got to get there. Not if I know I need to be there. And, and it, just, it makes all the other decisions for me. When my mind and my eyes are on the kingdom, it makes a lot of decisions for me. It gives me a lot of clarity. It allows me to quit being so distracted by whims and fancy and, and just, just be who I'm supposed to be. It allows me to realize that this re interaction I'm having with my neighbor needs to be more than about how green their grass is. It allows me to know that my time is limited and I need to use it wisely. You see, when, you, when you're focused on the kingdom and the standard of the kingdom and what we should and shouldn't be doing because we desire for God's will to be done on earth the way it is done in heaven, it gives us a purpose. It gives us a, a very clear direction. It allows us to know exactly who we are and why we do what we do. 
And I think that's a struggle for too many Christians. They've lost sight of who they are and why they're supposed to do what they do. And ultimately, when we become kingdom-minded people, we become people who live by hope. We become people who, who don't get bogged down with the worries and difficulties of life. You know what? I've got a health issue. Okay, this will either turn a workout or it'll lead me to heaven. One or the other. I'm good. If it's financial straits, okay, either this will work out or it's not going to. Either way, my treasure's laid up somewhere else. There is nothing that can take away my hope when my eyes are on the kingdom. And I think that's why we need to be praying and focusing more on the kingdom. Ultimately, focusing on the kingdom gives us belonging. You know, we live in a world that is desperate to belong to something. But honestly, the world doesn't give you much to belong to. I think this is one reason there are so many people who are so caught up in the political battles and and arguments that happen in our world because they're so excited to belong to this political party or to this ideology or or, or they're they're so excited to belong to something and all you got to do to belong to this group over here is just agree with them and so people become desperately attached to groups of people and ultimately in the long run you know what they find out That group of people didn't help anything. That group of people didn't solve any issues. They didn't make you feel any better. And if anything, all it did was cause more turmoil in your life. Because that's all the world has to offer. More turmoil. But the kingdom of God, it offers you belonging to something that matters, something that's full of hope, something that has clarity, something that is that is going to a good place. It's something great to belong to, and it's why that's where our thoughts should be. And it's why I love that song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is because it, it's really one of the only, quote, Christmas songs that is not about what is done for you and me and makes life good for us. It's about what really matters. Jesus didn't come to dwell as a baby. He came to bring a kingdom. And that's where our focus should be. So I want to sing that song and then make a couple of uh, final remarks. See, I got it up here on the screen.
I hope you mean it. I hope you truly, in prayer, cry out to God, your will be done here, here, in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our neighborhood, in our world. We want your will to be done here the way it is done in heaven. Because that is, that is a bold request. And it is a needed focus for you and me. I mean, if we really approach the world with the desire to see the obedience of heaven done on earth, it, it changes the way we act. It changes our willingness to sin and give in to temptation. It changes our desire to share those truths with the world around us. It changes fundamentally who we are. So let me give you a couple of of final ideas on what it's like to live in the kingdom come. I tell you, it, it probably starts with not focusing on the world. It is so easy to get caught up in the focus of the world and and the media and the news and the current events and all the difficult things that are happening in life. And I tell you, it gets harder and harder and harder because of how much exposure we have. We are, I remember as a kid, not that I ever watched the news, but the news that we knew was generally local news. That's it. Uh, when you turn on the news in the evening, you've got local weather, local crimes, local events, and a couple of national things that might have happened. Now, 24-7, I mean, again, then you had to intentionally turn on the news and intentionally turn it on at the right times to catch the news And it used to be there was an early evening block and a late evening block. And I don't know why we watched the weather for both as if it was going to change. But we, I mean, you, you had to watch it during those blocks. And so it was very easy to be uninformed. The other way to be informed is you had to get a newspaper. I don't know that we ever subscribed to a newspaper. But you had to have a newspaper, which always gave you news later now we got 24 7 access whether you want it or not you are inundated with it it hits you all day long every day people are just bombarded with news and not local news but not just national news but international news we are expected to know everything that is happening everywhere at all moments How are we not distracted when that's the world we live in and the expectation we live by? I'm going to give you what I think is the most important news flash of the day. There is nothing happening in this world that is more important than what is happening in the kingdom. Nothing. There is nothing happening overseas that can rob you of your hope. 
There is no disaster that has fallen on man that God did not know was going to happen and is not protecting his people through that event and will bring them through it and will rescue them from it in the end. There is no news on this earth that should take precedence over the kingdom. So Maybe we should just stop focusing on this earth. Maybe we should stop focusing so much on the church. I like to call them clubs. And what I mean by that is this. We should be focused on the kingdom church. But we get so focused on our individual little groups, and, and especially in places like Birmingham where there are so many of these individual little groups that we start bickering and fighting and we don't get along and we have disagreements with this, that, and the other. And then people start worrying about stealing members and all of that kind of stuff that goes on. Brothers and sisters, we are part of one body. Sit. One body. We need to focus that way. Now, I'm not by any means erasing the fact that our elders have a special responsibility in watching out for the souls of this family, of this flock they do. But for the rest of us, we're a kingdom. We need to stop focusing on our comfort. And I, I have said this for years and I continue to say it, I do not believe there is another temptation that has fallen on men that is more destructive than comfort. God never promised comfort. We got to get past that. Being a part of a kingdom, being a part of the Lord's army, being a part of, of the world, you know, that, a part of a group that is separated from this world is an uncomfortable reality. And we need to be okay with that. We need to start focusing on the kingdom's success. Not, not our local club success, not our membership roles on a local basis, Start focusing on the kingdom success. When I first started preaching, uh, there was a man there named John. And John, uh, he had been an elder in another congregation uh, years before. He was an older man. And uh, we were talking about evangelism and the work of the church and those sorts of things. And he, he very pointedly and purposefully told me a story of when he was an elder and the reason he stopped being an elder is because they at that congregation where he had served years before had started a radio program and that radio program because it was an am station the the bandwidth the bandwidth the band it, it reached from one shore to the other in the state of florida so it went all the way from Tampa, all the way over to Orlando, from coast to coast. They kind of just a band across the state of Florida. Their radio program reached the whole state. And they were getting contacts and Bible studies across the whole state. 
And the other elders shut the radio program down because they were spending too much time teaching people that weren't showing up in their pews. We shake our head at that. But that's not uncommon. We need to be focused not on this as much as this. That we've got a kingdom that we are a part of, and we need to be focused on that kingdom succeeding in whatever manner that is. And that means we need to be proclaiming that he is Lord, he is a Savior, he is, has redeemed us, that he is a sacrifice, that he is amazing, that we need to be talking about Jesus and about what he has done for us. We need to start focusing on Jesus' involvement in our personal lives, that he is our instructor, that he is in control, that he has the right to tell us we can and we cannot, and that we should obey him without any question because we desire his will to be done on earth, even in our own lives, as it is done in heaven. Can we say that? I tell you, we need to start living for something better than this life has to offer. And that is so tempting because it is so daily, it is so tangible to focus on earthly success because we can count how many uh, 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 pats on the back we've received and we can count how many promotions we've had and we can count how many raises we've received and we can, we can talk about the successes of our children and we can focus on those very tangible, easy-to-understand successes, but none of that lasts. And the only success that does is belonging to him and to his kingdom. You want to know how to live for the kingdom, to live with that idea of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is that we start living for heaven. And that should guide our every decision. And I'm going to tell you right now, our prayers should reflect those changes. I think it's Benny. I'm going to embarrass Benny for a minute, but Benny and I have had this conversation on, on a couple of occasions. Why is it that we are so good about praying for someone's physical needs, but we rarely ever get up and pray about someone's spiritual need? It's a great question. Because what really matters? What is of greater importance, someone's comfort in life or someone's comfort in death? What really matters? Our prayers should be a reflection of our focus. And if our focus is on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if our focus is on his kingdom come, if our focus is on his will being done, that's what our prayers would be about. And brothers and sisters, that's what they should be about. And I'm going to challenge you. You go back and look at the prayers through the book of Acts, the prayers that Paul offers in his epistles, the things that Peter talks about praying about in his letters. When you go back and look at the things John prayed about and look at the prayers of Jesus, 
you're going to find an, an overwhelming focus not on this life, but a focus on the life to come. And I encourage you, if you're not a child of God, that's where you need to begin, focusing on the life to come. If you're not a Christian, that's where to start. You need to become committed to Jesus and serve him. You need to, to, to make your life about him, not about you. And you show that by repenting of your life without him, turning away from that life, admitting and, and accepting him as a Lord, as your Lord, your personal Lord who has the right to tell you what to and not to do and being baptized into Christ. If you've not done that, today's a good day. You could end this year right if you'll do that today. If you need the invitation to get your life right, uh, maybe you just need prayers from the saints. Maybe you need help. Maybe, maybe you've got something good that's happened that you want to share with the saints. That, that, that's a worthwhile thing to come forward and talk to the family about. Whatever your need is, though, I'm going to guarantee you you're not going to find it sitting in a pew. You're going to find it by taking action to do what is right. So I encourage you, if you're not a child of God, come forward and let us know how we can help you as we stand and sing this song. Thanks for listening and studying God's Word with us. We want to help you draw closer to Jesus as your Lord. If you feel some need as a result of today's message, whether that be a need to seek God's salvation or you are just in the need of prayers, please reach out to us. You can find out more about us, including contact information at edwardslakechurch.org. If you want to continue to open God's word with us, please check out other sermons on our podcast or come visit with us at Edwards Lake Church anytime you can. Thanks again, and we pray God's blessings for you.